All right, and welcome back to Marky Mark and the Fitness Bunch. Today we're here with Jamie Glassman. She's going to be talking to us today about pain management, how it relates to pain, how, how it relates to health, and kind of what you can do about it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Marky Mark. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. Um, let's first kind of talk about like introduce yourself, kind of what you do, and how you kind of came around to this pain management focus. Um, so my name is Jamie, and I am a registered kinesiologist in Ontario, and a lot of my experience has been working in a clinical setting, so seeing people in a physio, chiro clinic, even in like an executive healthcare clinic, kind of assessing their movement, seeing how they feel and how their body responds, um, especially after people, after people have been injured. Um, and how I've come into this like profession to begin with is, um, I used to teach karate when I was in high school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then a guidance counselor was like, well, you like movement, why not kinesiology? And then four years later, didn't really know what kinesiology was still, but then later became a kinesiologist. So now I love watching how people move and helping them move better to reduce their pain and risks of injury. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. And so what is it about, like, I guess, like, when you talk about movement, so why pain management specifically, or like, why not um, focusing on a different kind of movement? Like I focus on movement too, right? But I'm not necessarily yeah. like pain specific. So I guess, what, what is it about the pain part of it that makes you interested? How did you get there? So when I went to university, I like did the classic freshman 20 pounds and it wasn't even about the weight. It was more so that like my movement completely changed. I went from doing karate like twice a week, sorry, no, two hours a day, like six days a week, go to absolutely no movement. And I learned a lot about how my body was actually covering up certain changes that resulted in me feeling pain. And I went down this nerd hole of like, how do I figure out how to help myself without fear, without hurting myself more, what can I do? And then throughout my whole clinical experience, I met a lot of people that felt really similarly to the way that I did. And when you're in pain, there's that automatic response to stop everything. Because once you've done one thing, you don't really know why and how you hurt yourself unless it was like a really clear injury. But even then, there's still a lot of uncertainty. So we just don't do anything until we get kind of permission to. And I've taken like tons of courses on like, kind of just like a more alternative um, cueing patterns and biomechanics of exercise. So I could really understand how people's movement and their, how they compensate actually attributes to um, how they feel and being able to push yourself in the gym and not feel pain or not feel like you're going to be set back in your life is something that really motivates me to help people do the same. Yeah, I think that's great. I also want to mention as well, like when you are lifting in the gym, if you have pain, is that something that you should, can you still lift for starters? And if so, like what precautions would you take? So that's a really good question because it's a really complicated question. Um, but at the same time, it really comes down to it depends. So it depends sure. on where your pain is and what you're familiar with doing. So understanding where your baseline is and what movements feel good and which ones hurt are a really good start. And working with someone that's going to be able to understand how to load what your capacity is 
is something that's super important because you don't really know how your body's going to change once it's in a higher load. So being able to progress there gradually is going to be a lot safer. So if you have pain, for example, um, like you, you know, you slipped outside, you twisted your ankle, like, should you be going to do squats tomorrow? No. Should you wait maybe two weeks, see how you feel, and then maybe see how a body weight squat feels as long as it's not like a fracture or anything worse than that? Sure. But it really just depends on what kind of pain we're talking about. If we have low back pain and it's progressively getting worse, should we ignore it? No. Should we start to get some information about why our pain is starting to be aggravated or adjust maybe our form to try to make it better or different? Yes, as well. And also challenging all the ways our body can move so we can not only make sure our body's moving efficiently, but also identify ways that our body might not be moving well and address those things sooner rather than later. Okay. So I'd like to, as I like an overall take home message is that it's that you can live with pain, but it changes kind of the game that like, you know, it's the training that you do will might not be the training that you did before or that your training will need changes both to minimize the pain that you're feeling as well as to slowly fix the pain over time. Is that like a fair assessment of kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. And also understanding the risk as well. And knowing that like, if you just ignore pain, it's not just going to resolve itself and go away. Um, It could, there is a chance of that. Chances are a lot of the time, if you just take two weeks of breast Um, And that could be like mild to moderate exercise as well. And just like not strenuous activity. There is a chance that your pain could just go away. Um, But at the same time, we also want to be conscious of any underlying issues that we might have and that they could have preceded even us having pain to begin with. Because a lot of the time, unless it's been like an actual injury, Pain isn't just a result of that area. It's usually a result of years of the way our body's been moving in an incorrect way. Yeah, no, that, that's what I've noticed as well is that it's, it's not usually the time itself that is. It's not like, oh, I did this. This hurt me. It's like, no, you were hurt before. It was just dormant mm-hmm. uh, and that you needed to move forward. So, yeah, I think that that's great that you said that as well for the audience that we have here is decently young, like sub 40 years old, I would say. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking about pain, I would love to kind of direct the conversation to that group as opposed to the older group as well. When people are more to the younger group is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of talk about when people, the first thing I want to address is that I think a lot of people, when they have pain, the first reaction is to, and I'll admit, I've done this myself in the past is they'll take Motrin or glucosamine or like essentially relieving the pain itself. Do you recommend taking that approach or it should you do more than just kind of like take maybe some over the counter medication to relieve your pain problem? Yeah, that's a really good question too. I personally can't recommend in terms of like intake for pain relief and stuff like that. But what I can say is that anything that's going to suppress your pain and pushing through the same things that you're doing already isn't going to help you. It may make you feel a little bit better in the interim while you're trying to get back to certain things. But if we're just trying to mask the pain, 
that's usually um, going to hurt us more than help us. But things like glucosamine and like Advil and stuff like that, like they won't suppress like severe pain or severe issues anyways, even if it's like, you know, muscle soreness or anything like that. Um, if you just need that little bit of relief to get through your day and you're not using it as like a crutch or a long-term solution, um, that might work for you. I can't speak in absolutes. Um, but if there's any concerns in terms of like if pain has persisted more than like a couple days, it feels like it's getting worse, more importantly. Um, but also if there's things that are debilitating, like numbness and tingling, sharpshooting pain, radiating pain, those are things that we need to be able to identify um, before we start categorizing I have pain or I don't have pain, because there's a lot of variety and there's a lot of things that we can work with that aren't necessarily severe. And there are a lot of things that we can do to help ourselves with movement that we might not have been able to identify otherwise. So to your point, your question, um, would I recommend um, taking like kind of pain relief medication? I usually go with no, but also it depends on who you are and what you need. Great. Yeah, no, that's an excellent answer as well. Let's actually talk about like kind of different knee pains that, or sorry, different pains that we see. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about knee <laughs> That's, uh, so I, I've had clients in the past who have had knee, knee pain as early as 18 years old, mm -hmm. like really young, much younger than expected. Uh, either they were ex-dancers or they were uh, in some kind of gymnastics and then they have a lot of mobility, but they also have Knee pain as well. What I know that this will vary from person to person. So I don't want any of the listeners to take this as like, this is definitely what you should do for knee pain. But what is the most common problems you see? When someone comes with you with knee pain, what is the most common solution? I guess is the best way to look at it. Honestly, I find that the most common thing that I notice, especially with lifters or um, generally active people, because most of my demographic of people are usually like women under the age of 40. A lot of young men as well um, that I find like I have friends that are super fit and super strong, but they're like, well, it hurts when I sit up straight. And they're just like, but I can do all this stuff. And I'm like, maybe we should address this too. So when we get older, it doesn't hurt so much. But anyways, I digress. With knee pain, I find that a lot of times people learn that um, they move with their knees which as we know, we need to move with our ankles and our hips in order to get all of these awesome muscles firing to be able to protect our knees. Um, and what a lot of people- can, can, can you elaborate on moving with your knees? Just kind of explain that. Yeah, so a lot of people when they're doing a squat, they'll either let their knees come inwards or forwards to get their body down. But when you're actually doing like a squat or a lunge, we're using our hips and our ankles for the majority of that range of motion. So the way that our body is structured, it's structured by like mobility, stability, mobility, stability. So I'm literally like stacking my hands right now, even though you can't see me. That's okay. Um, with our ankles, our ankles should be mobile. They can move up and down, side to side, circles. Same with our hips. They have a lot more range of motion, a lot more muscles around them that can do more. Our knees are only supposed to do flexion and extension. So bending and extending. And... On top of that, when we're sitting all day at work, our positions get super tight. So we're already quad dominant. We already use the front of our thighs more. Then we sit all day at work, compressing those muscles and lengthening our butt. So when we go up to move, we can only really use our knees. 
especially if we don't move our ankles, we don't move our hips. So I find a lot of like the like deep down problems with how people move has so much to do with lack of range of motion in their ankles. Not everywhere, certain range of motions are usually more limited than others. Same with the hips. So by figuring out what you need to work on in terms of balancing out those movement patterns, it can actually help a lot to improve your squat without even practicing a squat. For sure. Yeah. I've actually noticed that with myself, which you've just focusing on ankle mobility with a lot of my clients has actually changed a lot of drastic things. Ankle mobility is probably like the most underrated part of strength training that exists, especially for squatting as well. So I think that's great. Let's talk about, you know, back pain, specifically low back pain as well. I think that's a common one I get. It's usually when people are like, oh, I don't deadlift because it hurts my back is probably like the most common story that I get told, like what people don't want to deadlift or they don't want to deadlift heavy. Mm -hmm. When you're working with kind of the demographic that you're, you know, a younger demographic and they have low back pain, what is the most common thing that you've noticed? So a lot of that is really for me, and I'm obviously just talking out of like generalities and don't take this as like, of this course, is, yeah. and this is more for the audience of don't take this. Not prescribing. This not, not, can't prescribe. Not prescribing to the masses. Yes. Not prescribing via podcast. But a lot of it really comes down to like deep core strength um, and also the understanding of how to do a hip hinge um versus rounding your low back um so a lot of the time when we go to bend and like this is a lot in like Stuart mcgill's like low back pain um relief and all that stuff um who is like the king of low back pain um a lot of it is learning how to hip hinge and to use your hips to be able to bend and then using your core and your glutes to extend um and a lot of the time there's a common misconception that deadlifts or are for your low back and yes and no, it is for your low back to strengthen your glutes, your core, your hip flexors, your lats, even your postural muscles, but you shouldn't be primarily using your low back to lift. And especially when it comes to lifting heavy, I can totally understand that fear of, you know, if I've done that movement, I have that psychological um, identification of pain with that movement adding weight to that movement sounds unbelievable. But when you really break down a deadlift, what is it? It's a hip hinge. You're bending forward in your hips so that you can focus on using your hamstrings and your glutes more and supporting it with your core and your pelvis. So really focusing on core and pelvic stability is gonna be your best friend because those things are supporting your low back. And if those things aren't working well, and even if they're too tight and they can't function to their full capacity, your low back is going to take over and it's going to take on a lot, a lot more force than it should. And back to my initial point of like stability versus mobility, our hips should be mobile. Our upper back thoracic spine should be mobile and our low back supposed to be stable. It's supposed to be our stability movement. So being able to use our hips over our low back, which can be confusing because they're very close to each other, um, is very difficult because it's about educating on the movement first and then learning how to load it for the benefit of what you're trying to achieve. So why are you doing deadlifts? What are you doing with those deadlifts to make them more effective for you? Um, and a lot of it really just comes to proper lifting mechanics to protect you um, in your life if you have to pick up something heavy. For sure, yeah. And I actually did a, a podcast episode on like, are deadlifts bad for your back? Which goes into that a lot and kind of what you're talking about. Um, so I don't wanna reiterate myself over and over again, although I'm sure that would be interesting. One of the things as well is that for low back pain, so 
Can you establish to people what core is? Because I want to establish that core is not that you have a six pack. I think that is kind of the main, when people, when I see like core exercises, it's a lot of crunches, it's a lot of sit-ups, it's a lot of like bicycle kicks, things mm -hmm. like that. Can you kind of reiterate like what core strength is? So core strength, a lot of it is, I identify it as deep core, but when it really comes down to like the general definition of your core, it's like your midsection. So if you're thinking of like a core of an apple, it's the middle of an apple. It's not the front of the apple that's like plump and juicy. It's the middle of the apple. It's not more than that. So when you're thinking about like your abs and like an aesthetic um, understanding of it, of knowing what your abdominals are, we're mostly talking about our rectus abdominis, which is the most superficial muscle of our core on the front. But we also have all these muscles in our back. We have all those like our spinal muscles, um even our glute med i would consider a part of our core some people might not agree our lats our deep pelvic muscles our obliques they all contribute to our core and our core is mainly there to stabilize us and help us support spinal movement as well um safely and effectively so i find that especially crunches are great but as cr crunches are great if you're using your whole core to facilitate the movement and aren't just flailing your body about just to feel like you've done something for your abs. Doing stuff like planks. I tell people it's not about how long you can do a plank. It's about being able to teach your body how to engage your core and breathe for longer and longer. And that could be five to 10 seconds if you're doing things with like really like strong awareness and it's not even about form. Form can vary. So I think a lot of it really just comes down to being able to support your body. And that's what your core is for. It's the basis of your body to be able to help facilitate movement elsewhere. Yeah, no, I think that's great as well, especially like talking about core, how it is. It's actually a wide variety of muscles that I think is important. And I think what, yeah, I think that's awesome. What would be the advice for someone you had? Like let's say they come to you, they come to you with a knee back or let's throw shoulder pain in there as well. What is the first step that you would take? Um, they have pain. They don't know why. Yeah. Where do they go? The from? first thing I ever do is talk to people about their story and try to make relationships with how their body is and why their body could feel the way that it does now. And again, I don't use absolutes because no one can really ever know exactly why you have pain unless you've had an acute injury that was very clear. And even then, it doesn't guarantee how you'll heal. Yes, there's healing mechanics and that is very well studied, but based on how your body moves and what you do and how you recover makes a huge difference as well. So what I talk about people is, uh, to people about is kind of their history. And I just want people to feel heard in terms of their pain. Their pain is real and making sure that people understand that you understand where they're coming from. Because I find if people don't trust you, it really doesn't matter what advice you give them because it's they have to do it in order to help them. On top of that too, also like really reinforcing patience because especially if you wanna not only feel pain relief, but you wanna protect yourself from feeling that pain in the future, that comes with opening up yourself to movements that may seem scary. And being that support system for people and being able to say, we're going to do a couple exercises. You're going to try them at home. You're going to stay in touch with me because it's important that I know how you respond to these exercises on a regular basis. And then we reevaluate 
one to two times a week and add more and build based on what we know and what we how we feel and what works and what doesn't is really going to help us build a program that works really well for you and also give you significantly more body awareness to understand how your body needs to move um, in order to protect you and allow you to do more strenuous things without as much fear. Yeah, no, I think that's great as well. So if someone does have back or knee pain and they have any questions about this, where can they find you? What's the best place to um, so the, find more information about like kind of so like So the what best you place offer? to find what I offer is my website. Um, so I am in two locations. I'm at uh, the movement maven, M-A-V-E-N.com. Um, so I have a couple blog posts and offerings there. Um, and I also work with a studio called Modus Training Studio. So M-O-T-U-S trainingstudio.com. You can also do slash Jamie, J-A-I-M-E, and you'll see my landing page there as well. Um, and you can, you'll learn a lot more about what I do. There's not going to be here is your um, one exercise or your solution to your specific pain. It's really just an opportunity to get the support that you need in a way that's really pers and truly personalized to you. And the uh, Modus Training Center. So that's that at located? 15 Adrian Street. Sorry, Avenue. I always get those confused. Um, can, can, can we get, it's a, can in we Toronto, get a city? Toronto, Ontario. Um, okay. It's right at DuPont and Symington. So um, you'll be able to find both of those um, addresses on the website as well. Okay, I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get a city on board because you mentioned oh. the location, but for we we didn't actually have like, are you in the states? Are you in Canada? I just wanted to make sure. I that forget that people don't just know where I am, but yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, no, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks so much. And no, this was really helpful. I people run into knee and back pain a lot, and they should know that they don't. They're not just going to live with it. Like they can, there is something you can do. It takes time. It takes patience. And but you also don't resolved. have to push through pain just to get to results. Like I've had a lot of people that are like, I have to choose between pain and aesthetics. And I'm like, no, you don't. We can work with both and you don't have to suffer um, just for your um, other goals. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen this a lot in the powerlifting community as well where they want to lift really heavy weights, but they have pain, but also they want to keep lifting heavier. And it's not, would not recommend for sure. And it usually leads down to a pretty. Yeah. It's, it's about identifying early on that you can help yourself and learn throughout the process. And then if you do that early on, it actually protects you to be able to continue with this stuff. And I'm someone that's had like a very, you know, I have to do this before I can't mentality. And that kind of hurts us more than it helps us because there's always a limit to that. Versus if we identify how we can actually like help ourselves, even when we're not feeling our best and there's things that we can do and we can pull back to prevent things like burnout and prevent things like overuse. Um, it actually like helps us so much more for that regularity and consistency to make us a little bit stronger, a little bit better and a little bit healthier. Yeah, no, that is amazing. No, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, Jamie. We're going to, end it here but yeah thank you for thank taking you for the time having me to be here